Uncaged. Uncaged. A show celebrating thought leadership from today's top business leaders. The program provides a voice to amazing executives from around the globe who are shaping the world of business today and mapping the path to the world of commerce tomorrow. And now, please welcome our host, Bant Breen, as we begin another Uncaged episode. Today, we're speaking with Jonathan Mueller. Hey, Jonathan, how are you? Hey, I'm great, Bant. Thanks so much for the opportunity. I'm excited for the conversation. Yeah, it's great to have you on the show, Jonathan. Uh, Jonathan is the founder and co-CEO of Element RCM and Ascend Behavior Partners. Um, You know, Jonathan's done a lot of interesting stuff, and we'll go through his whole background, but He's very focused on developing value-based care in the autism services field. And we're going to dig more into what's happening broadly in autism, as well as the new value-based services that are, are being developed to support and um, support that, that area and develop it going forward. But before we get into that, Jonathan, tell us a little bit about yourself and your background. Yeah, you know, I, uh, I won't give my whole life story, but... Um, I was born in Japan, and, and that's important for a couple of reasons. My, my parents are in the Foreign Service, and so I kind of grew up with this, this idea that um, service is important um, and giving back is important. And the other thing that, that they helped instill in me from a young age, we lived in this big, beautiful world with lots of different people that look different and speak different languages and um, have different traditions, and that's something to be celebrated. And so you know, as I uh, you know went off to college and uh, dutifully went out to my management consulting career, uh, spent a few years in Silicon Valley. Um, you know, about six years in, I, I woke up one morning and I said, "You know what? I don't want to sell more supply chain software. That's not why <laughs> I was put on this earth." And so, you know, I, I had a, I took a little bit of a sabbatical and uh, moved to Tanzania, and I was a volunteer business advisor in microfinance, and I worked with families who had lost their breadwinner to AIDS and. Um, and we're looking to restart their businesses. Um, and I share that just because what th- that really taught me that um, life was too short not to be doing something that um, was going to make a meaningful difference in the world. And it also taught me that where I could be most successful is when I walked alongside people on their journey. And that ended up leading about 10 years ago um, to, to get into the autism space and, and ultimately to start, uh, start my own organizations. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's an amazing story, Jonathan. And I, you know, I've spent quite a bit of time in my life in Japan as well. So I appreciate that uh, the international, you know, there aren't many Americans, I think, that fully appreciate the perspective that you gain from an international life. Uh, it's, it's certainly a, it's certainly an eye opening experience. And, and I, and I, I, uh, I know that for me, that was like a big thing with my kids to make sure that they, they also had that because I do think that it does somehow garner a level of understanding and empathy in conversations that perhaps doesn't exist normally. So I think it's a really interesting area, but I'm very interested in all these things that you're developing for autism. So tell me more about your two, the two organizations, Element RCM and Ascend Behavior Partners. So about four and a half years ago, my um, my uh, business partner and I started Ascend. Um, you know, after having been in the field for a number of years, because we wanted to build the organization that we always wanted to be a part of. Um, and what does that mean um, to be a beans community? 
And, you know, there's this Peter Drucker term, like culture eats strategy for breakfast that I think that is true every day of the week and like twice on Fridays. And so first and foremost, we set out to build a community of caregivers who, if we put them first, we knew that they were going to put their teams first. Um, but, you know, there's this huge challenge out there that one in 44 kiddos that is diagnosed with autism, and there is so much need from, from families, and that need wasn't being met. And um, what we did, and, and we're actually, we're headquartered in Denver, Colorado, but we provide services in Arizona and in Texas. Um, but one of the things we appreciate is that providing services to kiddos, these young kiddos under age six, at this phenomenally important time in their life where 90% of the brain develops um, you know, by age five. So you have this really this one shot at making meaningful life improvements. We said that's critically important and there's something more. Families need support too. And um, what we hear from our families when they get a diagnosis is that they are going through a grieving process for the child they thought they had. And so we said, we're doing a disservice in our treatment if we're not also providing a wraparound set of mental health and other diagnostic support. So we bring a family support and team approach, which is very different from um, what's, um, I, I think, in the, it, it, what we see in the field today. Um, but that's crucially important to setting a family up to be successful in this new world that they haven't chosen, um, mm -hmm. but that they're now um, looking to be successful. So that's what um, uh, that's, that, that's our mission to send. And I, and by the way, I should say, I believe healthcare is a human right and mm -hmm. socioeconomic status should not be a determinant of the quality of a family's treatment. So we also started with, um, uh, you know, we accept over 90 different insurance plans, Medicaid, private insurance, and everything in between to make sure all families have access to care. That's amazing. And you're absolutely right. I mean, uh, I think autism is a, is conversation that, is becoming more, you know, more open, more comfortable, but something that probably a lot of families feel a little bit alone when they, they get that diagnosis. And, and it sounds to me like you're able to offer some background, some knowledge, some support in, in that regard, as well as a set of services. So, so tell me more about the services that you guys offer. So we provide, um, Applied Behavior Analysis, or ABA services, that's the gold standard treatment in autism. U.S. Surgeon General endorse Medicaid, all, all insurance is required to pay for it. Um, and what that looks like is we have a board-certified behavior analyst, um, a master's level clinician who um, works with the family up front to develop a treatment plan based on the goals they hope for for their child, uh, based on the specific skills that need to be developed, the behaviors maybe that they need to work on. Um, and then that um, BCBA um, oversees a behavior technician who's actually in a family's home up to 30 to 40 hours a week and is wow. working one-on-one. -on -one. I mean, this is a really intensive service band. And, uh, um, and they're working on a whole variety of, uh, of different skills. What's really interesting, Ben, if you were to walk into a home and watch treatment happen, you'd be like, oh, it looks like they're playing and having fun. And that's the entire point. Like this is, this is treatment in the child's natural environment, right? Two, three-year-old trying to figure out how to ask for a sippy cup or, you know, ask to go potty, learning how to go potty, you know, functional communication skills, all of these things. Um, and it's very data intensive. So you'd probably be surprised to hear like our behavior technicians, they have, they carry iPads with them and they are literally taking hundreds of data points on did the child respond in the way that you know, we had trained them and hoped? Um, did they ask for the right uh, thing? Did they, you know, how many times maybe did they cancel in this session? And it's a very um, um, a science 
and data-driven approach to right. be very clear that they're making progress. Now, and this may just be my lack of knowledge on the space, Jonathan, but I would imagine that there are there are different levels of autism and different levels of people on that spectrum. And so are you working with individuals that have kind of extreme examples of autism or really kind of across that, that spectrum? That's an important question, Ben, and an important distinction. So there are three different levels of autism, level one, two, three, and that represents increasing levels of severity. Mm -hmm. And yes, we work across all of those levels. Um, And in fact, the autism spectrum disorder, as it's now termed, um, uh, was just updated and revised in, I think it was back 2015. And you used to hear about Asperger's and um, PDD and OS and all these, that all got lumped into autism spectrum disorder. So what's really important about this, the saying goes, if you've seen one child with autism, you've seen one child with autism. That's it. Every child is unique. And that's the importance of this individualized treatment where literally every treatment plan, every set of goals and every child's progress is going to look a little different kiddo to kiddo. Now, when you read some of those statistics that you were highlighting, Jonathan, I said, the, was it the CDC that highlighted those numbers? What's your take on those numbers? Is that, does that mean that there are more cases of autism today? Or is it that we're just more acutely aware of how to diagnose it correctly or diagnose it at all? Um, how, do you, how do you read that stuff? Yeah, Short answer is it's a little bit of all of that. And to okay. be clear, I'm not a clinician. I'm going to channel my partner, Dr. Michael Wright. He's a, <laughs> a, 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 I'm not nearly smart enough to be a clinician, but uh, you know, uh, uh, Dr. Wright's a psychologist and a board-certified behavior analyst. So what we've seen is that there's um, uh, certainly a lot more awareness mm-hmm. of autism, and there's still stigma that surrounds it, but that stigma slowly but surely is being eroded, which means that pediatricians are becoming more aware, huh, I should administer some of the standard screening tools like the MCHAT at an 18-month well-child visit, at a 24-month. So just the fact that more kiddos are going through the screening process, which doesn't necessarily mean they have autism, just means maybe there's a, a yellow or red flag. Um, you know, that's important. So part of his awareness. Um, part of it is if you were to look at other diagnoses, um, like mental retardation, it's interesting in a graph, you, you're seeing autism rates go up, you're seeing mental retardation rates. Around. So there's a little bit of a substitution effect with maybe some other, um, uh, uh, um, some other diagnoses. Um, but then there are also real and epigenetic things that mm. um, candidly, we don't have a great understanding about. Um, about what's driving this. We know it's not vaccines, right? That was actually totally debunked on the idea that vaccines cause autism. In fact, uh, the gentleman that, uh, that, that did that study um, was disbarred because he literally just made up data. Um, but that aside, there are epigenetic factors. That is how the environment operates on, um, uh, um, on, a, on, a, on a child and on our genes that does lead to higher incidence rates. And we haven't fully okay. explained all of that. Okay, so it's a little bit of or a combination of of both, most likely, and uh, but we're, we're so you're seeing kind of both factors, mm-hmm. and uh, it's it's really interesting that lumping together of different areas. I mean, I have had uh, several friends and their children have been diagnosed over the years with uh, levels, different degrees of autism, and. and 
as far as I can see with many of them, they, they go on to be fabulously gifted kids that uh, are almost off the charts on the intelligence uh, scales. And uh, certainly we've seen that with several individuals, I think with like Elon Musk and, mm -hmm. and others that have come out publicly. It certainly seems like any type of negative stereotypes are, are fading. What's your take on that? Yeah, well, let's hope they keep fading. And you're exactly right. There are, I, it's, it's been really um, neat seeing leadership of, of, of those. Uh, we're seeing actors and the Elon Musk and others who are saying, you know, describing themselves now as, as autistic that they had gotten a diagnosis. So I think that helps to create more, um, uh, the ability to have conversations as communities and families to reduce that stigma. Um, and um, that stigma persists still. I mean, mm. let's face it, in this country, we still have stigma on mental and behavioral health. Um, and it's things that we don't, um, we don't talk about. And, you know, I was diagnosed as an adult with ADD and mm. generalized anxiety. It's nothing I would have thought about, uh, you know, growing up as a kid, there, there weren't those kinds of um, uh, labels and awareness. But um, what, what's, what's really important, I think, is that we're creating those safe spaces. And also that we are, um, now that you know, insurance will pay for a whole variety of different kinds of treatment. Right. Um, and I think um, COVID has actually, we'll look back and say of the, I mean, there aren't many good things that have come out of COVID, but one of the good things is that we're now talking more about the importance of connecting, right? Uh, mm -hmm. It's, we're not socially distancing, we're physically distancing and the social connectivity is what's so important. So right. I'm, I'm hoping that is accelerated more. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. And I would say that th that is an area that I, I would say any type of mental illness uh, seems to be getting more focused these days. Uh, you know, it's, it's, a, it's one of these things that I've spoken a couple of times on Uncaged about with other, other guests. And I would say that we see that the acceptance of, I'd say, Generation Z and millennials to have much more open-based conversations about these topics is such a healthy thing. You know, it's funny, uh, you know, millennials, I think, got uh, lambasted and, you know, satirized for years because of that. But in reality, I think it's quite a healthy move. And it's, uh, and you're absolutely right, during the pandemic, that has been a hot topic. So tell me a little bit, let's touch on the pandemic. Um, tell me a little bit how you how you and your organizations have navigated the last couple of years? Yeah, it's um, uh, it, it hasn't been easy. But you, what I remember most clearly, so we've always provided home-based services, right? We we weren't in clinics and or centers or otherwise, um, you know. So those always posed a certain set of challenges. But you know, we were always big believers in bringing treatment to families, right? Making it as easy to access as possible. So that once COVID came about, that that. Um, uh, that really helped us, but but there's this moment where um, I don't know if you remember, like, but when 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 like lockdowns first started happening, we knew nothing about COVID, right? Um, mm -hmm. uh, and we didn't know, like, could, is this going to like literally kill everyone? And so we were faced with this crucible decision: do we just shut down services altogether mm. and shut down Ascend, or do we continue? And I'll be honest, Ben, I didn't make that decision. Do you know who made that decision? The families we the serve, families, yeah. they came back to us and they said, look, working, you know, supporting our child with autism is hardest in the best of times. In the best of times, you need stability, routine, 
consistency. Now it's COVID, kids are out of school, both parents maybe are home and siblings, there's just a different dynamic. We need you, Ascend. And so it was our honor to say, all right, this is gonna be hard, but we are gonna figure out um, and implement the right set of safety protocols to make sure we're keeping our families um, and, and kiddos as safe as possible and keeping our teens as safe as possible. And so we actually saw that um, we've grown very quickly, even over the last two years of COVID, because parents have so much more need. Yeah, no, I mean, that's, that's absolutely true. I, I can only imagine how challenging it must have been for families uh, during especially that first six months where everyone was uh, flailing <laughs> to try to figure yeah. out what the hell was going right. to go on. Uh, but I, absolutely, I can see how your services would be in, in more need and, and more demand than ever before. But, you know, it's probably a, a, a strange question. But as you're going through this, how do you think about things like the topic of joy? Like, how, where are you finding meaning and purpose in this whole, this process? Well, I, um, I think I get joy most um, from interacting with people. That, that's just, that's part of how I'm wired. If you look at my Myers-Briggs or DISC or predictive index. Um, and um, I mentioned earlier on, I have a very strong notion of service. That's what I was put on this earth to do is serve others. And so I am, <clears throat> I am happiest when I'm working with our teams um, and engaging with them, um, trying to create this strong, we're not a huge team, about 160 uh, yeah. ascenders as we call them, but, um, but engaging with them to build the strongest community. Uh, we have when I get to coach and mentor others. Um, when I get to interact with families and listen and, and hear what they're going through and try to use that to then inform how our services will evolve um, and how we can better serve them in the future. Uh, so on top of that, and I'm a dad of three kids, right? like wow. 11, eight and six. So uh, what I love to do best is like ski really steep lines with them and <laughs> rock climb and mountain bike. So uh, it's been really neat um, when we can get time to just get outdoors and, yeah. Uh, yeah, and, and just appreciate being a family together. Absolutely. Well, I, I love that. And I think that 2022 will be a transition year. Uh, knock on wood for us to exit this this pandemic that's been waiting us down and hopefully allowing you to go out and ski more with, with yeah. your kids. <laughs> uh, but for the business, you know, in 2022, how are you looking at, at this year and beyond? Uh, so I think the, the huge thing, like many organizations now, the, the great resignation is happening. Ascend, I think, has been much more fortunate just given our, our community. We have much, um, uh, much lower turnover, uh, but it's certainly affecting us. So I think um, we're, uh, we are doubling down on the kinds of things that we believe make for a strong community. And so a lot more work around um, you know, internal leadership uh, development programs, career pathing, um, helping people get promotions. Um, uh, yeah. I mean, there's all kinds of things that we want to do as a, as a community. Um, the, the other thing that we're, um, uh, my, my business partner and I last year started Element RCM, which is actually, it's a, it's a medical billing and insurance um, mm -hmm. partner specific to the autism services industry. So look, there are 6,000 different autism service providers out there like Ascend right here in the U.S. Um, and, uh, you know, this... It, this doesn't sound like the most exciting work, but if I were to tell you those, those autism service providers on average collect 85 to 90 cents on the dollar for these wow. hard, hard services that they're um, providing. And that's not acceptable. So Element was started 
to democratize access to the most efficient and best billing insurance and other practices. So uh, we're, we're also focusing on getting the message out and working with a lot more autism service providers. That's great. I, I see so much uh, confusion and in general uh, inefficiencies in that broader marketplace. So what you're doing with Element RCM is extremely valuable. Jonathan, it's been great talking to you. We've been speaking with Jonathan Mueller. He is the founder and co-CEO of Element RCM and the Ascend Behavior Partners Group. You know, the, the two organizations both play in the broader autism services space. And Jonathan's been walking us through how services have, have continued to evolve and expand uh, for individuals, for children uh, that have autism, as well as the families that have to face those challenges. Jonathan, it's been great having you on Uncaged today. If someone wanted to reach you and find out more about what you're working on, where, where can they find you? They can find me on LinkedIn, Jonathan Mueller, um, or they can find uh, Ascend at ascendbehavior.com or elementrcm.ai. Excellent. Well, thank you so much for being on the show today, and we look forward to talking again. Thanks, Ben. It's an honor. All right. Cheers. 